The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kuwale Ogbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I'm Kule Ogbayani alongside... Paul Brecht will be here soon. <laughs> you got stuck at one of the traffic lights. But nonetheless, welcome in. Hope you guys are fab- having a fabulous morning so far. We got a lot to get into today. As we mentioned yesterday, we had a two-hour show. So those of you that stuck around for two hours, mahalo for hanging out with us. Or if you already you know checked it out on demand because you didn't want to miss any of that show, as it was myself, Paul, and Michael Lescaro having a good old time on Super Monday, we talked for pretty much the, an entire hour about the Super Bowl, which we will continue some of the Super Bowl discussion in just a little bit, and then got into a bunch of the local sports that happened over the weekend, as well as like the state championship games and the paddling regatta that I was out at at Hilo, some HPU stuff, and of course some University of Hawaii men's volleyball having their big win over Stanford last week. Today because we ran out of time and we kind of chuckled that when Paul and I talk about uh, local basketball, it takes us a bunch of time. So we didn't even want to start talking about it yesterday, but we will talk about it and get into it later today. That being University of Hawaii men's and women's basketball and some HPU basketball as well. You'll hear from head coach of HPU men's basketball, Jesse Nakanishi, following their win on Saturday against Biola as Jesse and his squad just keep winning and doing the thing that they can do in the PacWest Conference. But first, let's get into some Super Bowl discussions, or I guess continue it, and look at some of the NFL mock drafts, the power ratings, some of the early odds as we look ahead to next season or the seasons coming up, for that matter. And there is Paul Brett as he makes his way in studio where I didn't even put my headsets on because I'm like, we're going to move over. It's okay, folks. Bear with us. We're moving on over here. I, <laughs> Live radio, folks. Live I had radio. A, uh, joke ready on the way in. The Knicks <laughs> got screwed over by an official yesterday. And I was going to say that he made the call to the uh, Hawaii, you know, road department to make sure that <laughs> every single person was trying their very best. I left earlier than usual today. I left earlier than I did yesterday, folks. Paul, you know, this always seems to happen when you say you leave earlier and you show up later. Clearly, I, I need know. to just I don't know. leave. <laughs> I, I need to leave later, I guess, because every time I leave later, I get here five minutes early. It's actually unbelievable. <laughs> I leave around the same time, so I don't I don't mess with the, the traffic gods or the powers that be and serve here for the most part. Sometimes I don't get as many traffic lights or traffic and road work knock on wood now tomorrow i'm probably going to be late just because i'm like oh yeah i get here like regular time but lo and behold it'll happen that way all right anyways like i was saying we will continue our nfl discussions oh also before we kind of get into uh, our we'll get into our basketball talk later but i do want to make sure i mention and remind all of you guys that we will have the oia boys basketball championship games tomorrow night because now the semifinals have been played for OIA Division One, and Lelehua comes out on top over Kailua, 73-67 in double overtime. So the Mules move on to the championship game, and it'll be a rivalry game for the OIA championship as Mililani beat 
Nanakuli 60 to 42 in the semifinals. So it'll be Mililani and Lelehua. Mililani did win the regular season finale 52-50. So tomorrow night's game is going to be pretty electric now that it's going to be for a championship game. And for Division 2, it will be Kaimuki and Aiea. First game is scheduled to begin at 5.30 p.m. from live from McKinley High School. So we will bring you that action tomorrow. Kyle Galdera on the call along with Michael Escaro for the first game and Mr. Paul Brecht for the second game. It'll be a fun time. It'll be electric. It always is. It has a a long way to go to be more exciting than what we saw from the girls' basketball game between Kahuku and Campbell. But you know what? It'll be fun no matter what. Be be sure you guys tune in if you can't be there. Or, of, of course, you can tune in to our friends at Spectrum, but not everyone has Spectrum, so you can listen right here and on demand. All right, getting back to our football conversation, as you heard Chaz Ontai mention in our sports report, not really much of a surprise when it comes to the Super Bowl and breaking the record that was actually set last year in terms of viewership. So the telecast averaged 123.7 million viewers across all platforms, the most watched program ever and it was up seven percent so not even a little bit but seven percent from last year's game which set the record of 115.1 million viewers Uh, cbs's 120.3 million viewers is the largest audience in history for a single network and cbs sports total viewership number was made up of cbs paramount plus nickelodeon univision cbs sports and nfl digital properties including NFL plus so there's any indication of I know we make a joke and I think it's a small percentage that you know the Taylor Swift effect had but to have a 7% jump from last year to watch two teams that we saw playing in the Super Bowl not too long ago and to watch one team that has just been pure dominance that we've been used to to usually you kind of see almost like a people get fatigue of the same team but Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they just have this aura and the way that they play that people want to still tune in. It feels different from, I mean, the winning is still the same, but at the same time, it feels different from Bill Belichick, Tom Brady type of Patriots vibes. So they're just, NFL is just doing what they do and they keep growing. They keep growing their business. They keep growing their audience. And I just, I couldn't believe the number is that this is the biggest. And like we said, CBS is 120.3 million viewers, the largest audience in history for just a single network. (laughs) (laughs) Football is king. Football is king. We talk about it all the time. Football is king. And they do an excellent job putting their product on different platforms, trying to pitch it to different groups. I mean, the Nickelodeon broadcast in itself is such a smart and fun way to try and expand the game to Mm -hmm. your younger to that next younger demographic, right? Where I, I'm i not going to go on a rant, but like baseball doesn't do that. You know, baseball copyright strikes anything that you oh try and gosh. share. Yeah. Where it's like, how do you expect your game to grow? Whereas with the NFL, anything and everything, it feels like that they can promote, that they can get more eyes on their product, they do. So kudos to the NFL for a, a, another great year. The script writers went crazy with this one. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Making the love story happen too, just saying. <laughs> but um, other 
record breaking stats that we're taking a look at. You know, we're just recapping because when our show was on yesterday, it wasn't a full 24 hours after the game had completed. So it's it's interesting to see all of these numbers start to come in and also all of the other stuff that we see uh, pop up on social media since yesterday's show till now. Nevada breaks state record for Super Bowl 58 handle with $185.6 million wagered on the game per the Nevada Gaming Control Board. So the sports books did come out with a win of $6.8 million, so just 3.7%. But as we like to say, a win is a win, although the sports book won this one. But Nevada sports books still have only lost on two Super Bowls since 1991. So as much as it seemed like a lot of the money and everything was wagered on the Chiefs, at least in Nevada, they came out on top. Who knows? We'll see all the numbers that come in from all of the other states, including uh, Paul's side of New York and then the neighbors in New Jersey, because overall monthly, they're always at the top and Nevada is around like three, between three and five. So I'm curious to see what the numbers look like in the states that are usually the top, but we won't see that until the end of February. So probably like mid-March, those numbers will come out. And I'm so fascinated to see what it looked like for the states that are naturally having the highest handle. And I mean, I don't know if they'll report it, if the the sports books won or lost money, but just taking a look at that handle, $185.6 million. All you Las Vegas people that were there, that's how much was, and that's just legally. That's just the sports book. That's So we don't really know what has happened yet. I'm sure they already anticipated that this would be a record-breaking year for sports betting in on the Super Bowl. I mean, but just the official numbers via the Nevada Gaming Control Board, seeing that number con- confirmed is just like, wow. It's truly incredible. I am curious to see what my fellow Northeastern folks uh, were able to do as well, though I do think Las Vegas might have them beat out for uh, the Super Bowl itself, being that you know you have the event in Las Vegas and, and all that. So uh, I, I'm curious, though. New Yorkers were... were competitive even when it comes to something like degenerate sports gambling (laughs) (laughs) so if you take a look at the super bowl a couple of years ago uh, so the nevada gaming control board released the figures and it was it was what was wagered across 182 again legal sports books on super bowl 58 and it broke the previous record of 179.8 million dollars when the LA Rams defeated the Cincinnati Bengals, sad face, <laughs> in the Super Bowl. And this was the second piece, obviously, of the news that came out yesterday that displayed just how big this Super Bowl was when you look at it as the viewership and the betting handle. And of course, sports betting, too, has just become less and less taboo now that it's legal in a majority of the states in America. Little... um elbow tug to the state of Hawaii, please. Uh, But like just thinking of the sheer magnitude is insane. But at the same time, not surprising. Like I, we already anticipated it. The 49ers have a huge fan base. And like I said, the Chiefs have already a huge fan base. They're a winning franchise and they've gained a lot of new fans and including, you know, just football fans like myself who just, I really enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes and just how good the Kansas City Chiefs are, how they always find a way to win. Uh, Shoot, I got to go look at Twitter. One player like got a lot of flack because he, oh, actually it was Sauce Gardner. 
It was Sauce Gardner that got a lot of flack on social media because he's like, I told you guys the 49ers look better on paper, but the Chiefs will always find a way to win. And I'm like, that's true. Like, I don't know why he's getting so much flack for that because it's, it's 100% because the 49ers true. 49ers players were in their feelings. Have you seen how much <laughs> they have been crying on social They've media? Been crying so I much. like, I'm almost embarrassed. I was rooting for the 49ers. Like, Real talk, my mom's a 49ers fan. Yeah. Obviously, there's a bunch of 49ers connections out here. I wanted them to win, but it's been so embarrassing the way that they've gone on social media. You lost. Shut up. You <laughs> lost. It's okay. Like, it sucks. Take 48 hours off of social media. It is okay. And also, like like you said, Sauce was right. He wasn't it's bashing right. anybody. He said the 49ers on paper have more talent, but he gave the Chiefs their props because Patrick Mahomes just wins, man. He had the, <laughs> he said it, and you know what? People hate him for it, but I, I respect it. They changed the overtime rules last time, and they still won. What are they going to do this time? Because mm-hmm. the Chiefs still won. It doesn't matter. <laughs> It They'll doesn't find matter. a way to win. And I made the comparison yesterday. Like, I still think the 49ers are collectively, especially when healthy, because Michael brought up that point yesterday, that they were a little banged up. And then, that's you know, football. Dre Greenlaw going down. Yeah, that's football. I think healthy, you put both teams healthy on the field. The 49ers are the better team on paper. But they're the Kansas City Chiefs. They won two Super Bowls and they just find ways to win. And I made the comparison yesterday where it's just reminiscent to my childhood watching the Utah Jazz because I was a huge fan of Carl Malone and John Stockton watching them not win. What is that? I think it was like 0 for 3 going up against Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. They were the Utah Jazz at that time were a phenomenal team, an amazing team to watch. So that's why I was such a fan. But you're going up against Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and the Chicago Bulls. Like, it's not that they're not a good team. You're just playing, like, a team and a you player that is generational. Yeah. An it's all-time player, coach, tight end combo. Like, we're talking about, in the history of the game, how many trios are we talking about like this? I mean, the Steelers had, when it was, like, I guess the, the Killer Bees, right, with Big Ben... Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, but they didn't even win a Super Bowl with that. Yeah, Belichick, Brady, and the defense. I guess I like oh, Belichick, Gronk. Brady, and Gronk. I guess, but even so, it, they were winning before Gronk got there. Mm-hmm. So Randy Moss, you toss him in there. Like it takes generational all-time greats to put together dynasties, and that's what happened. <laughs> it was it, like it's just that, and it sucks. It feels bad. I said this it on does. the show yesterday. I don't know how I would react if the Jets ever made a Super Bowl. Emotionally, <laughs> I literally don't think I could handle I it. What that feeling feels like. I know you. Like at least mine was after I would graduated from high school, which is a long time ago. But nonetheless, it's been a while. No idea. Literally, no clue. So I get the emotion side of it, but also, oh my goodness, stop crying. All right, right. When we come back, we will get you the futures odds now that they're out and also take a look at some of the mock drafts, including one that has the Bears pick in one and three, which I might kind of like. So we'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Ogbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. On a good time, ready to flow. You keep on coming and a coming, baby, please stop rocking my boat. Because I'm ready to <laughs> rock. 
Good vibes here. Good vibes. <laughs> Paul and I just had like a little vent session on the commercial break. I mean, nothing that we can't vent to you guys. It was it was literally just about more ranting about the 49ers and crying too much about not knowing the overtime rules when it's supposed to be your job because I knew, I was telling all of you guys about, I was telling you guys like during the NFC Championship week that, oh, this would be so funny if like, you know, the the Chiefs and the Bills, and then it reverses, da, 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 new overtime rules and playoffs, blah, 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 blah. I mean, yes, that is kind of part of my job as a sports radio host, but at the same time, yeah, those guys get paid a bajillion dollars, so how do you not know something that significant? And on Kyle Shanahan, I think the Chiefs preparing ahead of time was the right thing to do as a team. So, like, Kyle should have actually ran through scenarios on what they would do if it went to overtime. I do think that's on him. But for the players to just straight up say, we didn't know the rules. And then, oh, and of all people, Kyle Yushchuk, I'm like, oh, no, oh. you became the fan favorite because of your wife. And now it's like, you didn't know the rules either? Oh, my gosh. I just, I don't know if they expected us to feel sympathy for them yeah. or, or, or empathy like, for, for not being prepared. And that's kind of my thing is like, it's your job. At the end of the day, this was it wasn't like it was a under the table rule change either. Yeah. It was a very, was very a publicly discussed, like voted on rule committee had to go in and change it before a new season. And they've been in place for years now. Like yeah. it's it's not brand new this season. Yeah. And on top of that, it's like I understand that not a lot of overtime playoff games have happened. It recently yeah. yeah if any to be totally fair but also yeah i don't think they've had one actually since the rule changed it's because it's only for the playoffs things. right it's one of those things that you have to know and this is where i'm going to give a shout out to jesse nakanishi and the hpu sharks and I, you chuckle at me all you want but i i got an opportunity before their game against uh concordia irvine to kind of sit in on how they do their scouting and how they do their prep for game. And the detailed, in-depth discussion that they have to learn about the other team, to know other teams' tendencies, and to go through every situation that could possibly play out is incredibly impressive for a Division II team, which is why I don't feel sympathy for professional athletes. <laughs> because I, I, I've watched young kids. I mean, these are... I know they're my age, but we're kids. Like, being totally real, we are kids in college who work their tails off, and they understand. They put in the pre-effort, the pre-time, the, the preparation. I'm not going to feel bad for, for professional athletes, for professional players, saying they didn't know the rules because their coach didn't tell them beforehand. You are a grown man. Figure it out yourself. Understand it before. Either way, the odds makers think that the 49ers will figure it out next season because they are the favorites to win the Super Bowl next year at 5-1. to one. The Chiefs are right behind them at plus 750. Ravens still up there at plus 850. The Bills, gosh, the Bills just don't, will not go away. <laughs> no matter how many times I say it's not going to happen, especially when you got to go against, like, Patrick Mahomes. Like, I just, we've already shown, like, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, can beat Patrick Mahomes in big time moments. So, like, those are the two. That, that's about it. Like Josh Allen just cannot find a way to and and it's weird because we I hate always saying that like oh Josh Allen beating Patrick Mahomes because I always say like the quarterbacks in hindsight are not actually 
playing, playing against, against each, each other. other. So it, it only can take it with a grain of salt. But either way, Josh Allen can never seem to beat the Kansas City Chiefs defense. So we'll just leave it at that. I mean, what those odds say, by the way, is exactly what Sauce Gardner said. The yeah. best team on paper. Is the 49ers. And clearly Vegas feels that way as well. Because the 49ers, I want to give them their credit. They have done a phenomenal job to build rosters. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many teams in the NFL are trying to mimic what the 49ers are doing? My favorite team is. I can tell you that. The Dolphins tried to. You know, the Shanahan offense. A good, fast-hitting defense that can create some turnovers. Like, it's they have a great roster that fits what the NFL today is supposed to be. They just haven't they have been able... They have their quarterback. Right. They just haven't been able to get over the top yet. And they played a championship... It was a championship effort in this Super Bowl. You just had a 23-year-old last pick in the draft. I'm not... Actually, I I take that back. I apologize. I'm, <laughs> I'm done referring to Brock Purdy as the, the Mr. Irrelevant last pick in the draft because... He, to this point, is early season, or early career Brady to me in the fact that he is f- so much more than just his draft position. Oh, I yeah. mean, the guy, he's 23 years old and threw 31 touchdowns in the regular season and went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. It took overtime. And the Kansas City Chiefs' best defense. Right. Like. So I am not going to sit here and I'm not going to disrespect Brock Purdy. I think that is a player who has a good, nice, long future in the NFL. He just came up, like we said in that first segment, against a generational combination of someone who might be the greatest quarterback to ever suit up, someone who is in the conversation as the greatest tight end to ever live, and now a coach who all of a sudden is starting to get some love in the all-time ranks as well. And the crazy thing is, this is where, as we mentioned, you never count out the Chiefs because you don't even know, us outside of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, who all confirm that they are coming back next season to try to go for a three-peat, three obviously Patrick Mahomes is going to come back. Travis got, Kelsey was nice a little contract. in between, and Andy Reid was kind of like, everyone was speculating he, he could potentially retire, but the trio is coming back. But at the same time, on the defensive end, you still got to sign some people. We mentioned Chris Jones yesterday, so not knowing for sure if you'll have someone like that, and yet they're still up there in the odds. By the way, 4-1 to one to win the AFC yeah, next year, where the 49ers are 2-1 to one to win the NFC. Uh, as I mentioned, the Bills, the Lions are 12-1. to one. The Bengals are right there at 14-1. to one. Hopefully they have some healthy Joe Pearl. That's all they need. And they need to do it soon because before all of their contracts are up again. So hopefully the Bengals will stay healthy because as we just mentioned not too long ago, that's the only team and quarterback that can beat or has proven to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in a big time moment. Because obviously the Chiefs have lost before. They've lost a lot this season. But when you're talking about big time moments, that's when we've seen the Chiefs, they find a way to win. But the Bengals and Tom Brady... (laughs) are the only ones that have beaten that Kansas City Chiefs team. The Cowboys, for all of our Cowboys friends, our friends out there, woo, are right behind the Bengals at 16-1 to along with the Eagles. And the Cowboys and Eagles are plus 750 to win the NFC. Let's see where our team's at. <laughs> While you look for that, I do want to give a shout-out to Mike Simmer as well, who oh, was right. out here for the Polynesian Bowl, and then he just accepted and finalized terms with the Cowboys to become their new defensive yes. coordinator. So shout-out Coach Simmer. Uh, really happy for him. I was a little bit sad because I saw the Cowboys were considering Rex Ryan, and I love Rex. <laughs> but also, Mike Zimmer is a phenomenal defensive football mind. So shout-out to him. 
thank you for the work that you put in uh, at the Polynesian Bowl and working with the kids uh, here during that time. Go rock out and have so much fun with the Dallas Cowboys, and hopefully you can help improve those 16-to-1 odds. Good mention. I like that you threw that in there. All right, Paul, our teams. Oof. <laughs> The you're it's so funny because they're going to they're right they're right they have Aaron Rodgers they're right next to each other so the Jets are at thirty to one along with the Jags and Rams so you and Michael Escarol's teams are right next to each other that feels about right yeah and the Rams are fourteen to one to win the NFC and the Jets are sixteen to one to win the AFC and my Bears are right behind you guys at forty to one along with the Vikings that's not as bad as I thought the Bears were going to be actually we're pretty we're pretty good not I'm, too bad i'm like i that might sound bad for people listening but i'm like i'm actually genuinely surprised by that be, just because i don't know i feel like the bears uh there were a lot of questions this season and they they started to answer a lot yeah. of them and so i'm i'm very happy to hear going into next year especially considering all of the uh the capital that they have to work with both oh, yeah. monetarily and um draft Wise and the Bears are officially on the clock. Which, by the way, the Commanders have eighty million plus in cap space. The Saints have negative eighty million plus in cap space. Deshaun Watson holds a sixty-four million dollar cap hit. Chris Jones, yeah. as we mentioned, is a pending free agent, so that could affect the Chiefs as well as whatever team potentially decides if they want to give him that contract that he so well is looking for and what if deserves. Ooh. I don't know if they would. Do you need a D tackle? I mean, you need you always need the best D tackle yeah. in the NFL, but that's something have I'll have to look space. at more. Yeah, um, and then as we mentioned, the 49ers are next year's Super Bowl favorite. Welcome to the NFL offseason, everybody. Welcome to my time. <laughs> this is <laughs> this the, is our time. This is the New York Jets excited. time. That uh, the Jets are the 13 time defending. Back to back to back to back to back to off season champion. So, um, we, like I said yesterday, the Jets, minutes after the Super Bowl ended, announced that they are dropping new jerseys for next year. It's, I mean, it is off season champion, undisputed every single time. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break, but when we come back, uh, get you through some of this mock draft stuff that, including one that I thought was very interesting, and we will get into some local basketball on Wake Up in the Den. Wake up in the den with Kuwale Ogbiani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kuwale Ogbiani alongside Paul Brecht, talking more about the NFL because now it's time for Paul and I to get excited. Because now we can focus on our teams doing well next season. It's our year. It's going to be our year this yep. year. Kansas City Chiefs, who, which there's there's just so many, like, oh, next season is going to be insane. It can go all different directions with, again, hoping everyone comes back healthy, what happens in the draft. By the way, before we talk about the draft real quick, uh, I'm seeing this now when it comes to online sports betting. So online bets for the Super Bowl were up 22%. From last year, uh, it's a data company that records 
on how to verify a customer's location because that's what you need for the uh, sports betting apps to work wherever you are. So the GeoComply saw a total of eight and a half million active accounts, up 15 percent from last year's Super Bowl. Since the start of this past season, customers have added more than 13.7 million new accounts, a 28 percent increase from last season. And so we mentioned Vegas won a little bit of money, uh, but Caesar Sportsbook uh, vice president said that the sports, like the online portion of the sportsbook, suffered a multi-million dollar loss on the game going to overtime. So a popular bet that paid about nine to one. FanDuel, here's the big number, folks. FanDuel said that it took 14 million bets, totaling 307 million dollars. Both of which set records. <sighs> Shout out to all my fellow degenerates. <laughs> yes. Yes. We love you because we are with you. <laughs> that is so insane. Again, I'm not surprised. Just like I wasn't surprised about the Vegas betting and the viewership for the Super Bowl. But when you actually see the numbers and say it out loud, you're like, dang, that's insane. That's a lot of money. But and it's only going to go up from here. All right. Let's get to this mock draft real quick. Uh, all right. So this is the one thing I wanted to share with everybody because this is on NFL.com, a mock draft by Chad Reuter, NFL draft analyst. So they have a protect, projected, what even word is that? Projected trade with the New England Patriots. The Bears take the Patriots trade compensation package for Justin Fields to get a future star receiver named Marvin Harrison Jr. with the number three overall pick. So they would take Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick. Washington Commanders would take Jaden Daniels because they need a quarterback and he's a solid one as well. And then the Bears would get Marvin Harrison Jr., a receiver that could instantly help. Well, they already have like DJ Moore and stuff, but you would help. You would give Caleb Williams the tools necessary, at least on the offensive end, to succeed and i'm like "Mm, that looks very tantalizing i'm not gonna lie by the way uh if we talk about draft and the bears the steelers released quarterback mitch trubisky i just had to throw that out there just to (laughs) (laughs) thanks a lot ryan pace (laughs) hopefully ryan poles is a lot better at this draft stuff kayla williams alongside maserati marv would be honestly like unthinkable i'm like how is this that is that's what's it's honestly what dreams are made of yeah uh i will say this i would be surprised to see the patriots trade out of a top three pick i would be very very surprised but with that said they would get a quarterback out of it though i was gonna would they trade justin fields as part of the trade be part of justin Fields. okay um one, I don't want to see that. Justin Fields, <laughs> stay away from the AFC East, please. God, I want him to go to the Falcons so badly. It's actually sickening. <laughs> but I I think the bigger surprise in this mock draft, now that I'm looking at it, is Jaden Daniels going number two overall to the Commanders over Drake May. This is something that in, in recent mock drafts, if you're keeping up with the NFL community, has started to... I think it's partially uh, prospect fatigue a lot of times where... We talk about certain mm. prospects for so long that at some point we just kind of want to see what it would look like to put different people up there. But that said, Jaden Daniels also similar to Caleb Williams and the commanders did just hire Cliff Kingsbury in that sense where you want a, a little bit more of an athletic quarterback. Yeah. 
uh, and a guy in Jaden Daniels who has consistently developed over the past couple of years rapidly. Drake May is a very, very talented quarterback. He's somebody who I think is about to put up some numbers at the Combine as well and kind of impress with that athleticism, show off that he's kind of that, he can be a dual threat guy too. Um, but that being said, uh, that's interesting because at four, Drake May does end up going. Yeah. And he goes to the Broncos who trade up and obviously they have a decision to make with Russell Wilson upcoming as well. And Sean Payton gets his quarterback of the future and present, I guess, in this draft. So it, this is an interesting mock draft, like uh, like you mentioned. Because and this would be a situation where the Cardinals are hoping that they would end up similar to like the Chicago Bears, where they yes. would acquire a 2025 first-round pick uh, in this trade with the Denver Broncos. So you're kind of gambling here and hoping that the Broncos will essentially stink next season and then you can have a very very high potentially top 10 pick like how it worked out for the Chicago Bears to be totally fair as well in this scenario the Cardinals don't get to take Maserati Marv Harrison at or at four because the Bears jump them at three and that's a big part of it as well Mm -hmm. because Cardinals have a quarterback already they are committed to Kyler Murray they seem very happy with Kyler so the question is, are they going to add a wide receiver? They'd love to add Marvin Harrison Jr. Or will they go to the offensive line once again? And in this draft, this mock, they still get Malik Neighbors at 12, which he's a top three receiver mm-hmm. in this class. So it's a fun mock draft overall. This is the one that's scary, though. Um, at number five, the L.A. Chargers. You know, we talked about how they already clearly have a quarterback. They're a solid team on paper. They just needed their coach. And now they have Jim Harbaugh. And this draft has them getting Brock Bowers, the tight end out of Georgia. So can you imagine Brock Bowers going over there? And you have Justin Herber and you have all those pieces and you have a very good coach and an offensive coach. That's going to be scary for if the Chargers are able to get Brock Bowers. And and in this mock draft, <laughs> he lists Brock Bowers as a chance to be the best player not named Caleb Williams in this draft. So And yeah. he has the potential. And we've seen, obviously, we've seen what a good quarterback tight end duel can do in this league because we've already seen it with Brady and Gronk. Now you see it in front of our eyes like we just saw it this past season or the past multiple seasons with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Now if you have someone like Justin Herbert with Brock Bowers, like that's scary. And if you were a Chargers fan, that is definitely something I am hoping would happen. I'd be really excited for that, for any Chargers fan that looks at that and thinks immediately to Kyle Pitts and like, oh my yeah. gosh, oh, I'm worried about uh, spending a top pick and then not using him correctly. Uh, I do want to caution you, you don't have Arthur Smith as your head coach, so you do not need to worry about that as much. <laughs> also speaking, like, totally not facetiously and like real, Justin Herbert is leagues and leagues and leagues above Desmond Ritter Mm -hmm. like it's not it's not a conversation Ritter shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL Justin Herbert's a top five quarterback Mm -hmm. in the NFL if you give somebody like a Brock Bowers to Herbert that's when like you mentioned before you get your Mahomes Kelsey your Brady Gronk it's you get this great even for Chargers fans think back to Antonio Gates and Philip Rivers and how dominant that duo was for so long like even if you don't win a Super Bowl you still you become this quality offense that you have a security blanket i mean Mm -hmm. dallas tony romo jason witten you can go down the list of how many quarterbacks have needed a great tight end to be 
excellent. And the best years of his career, Romo's career, the best years of Philip Rivers' career, it's when you have that security blanket on top of all of those other weapons. With the Jets picking at 10, taking an offensive tackle, Taliese Fuanga out of Oregon guy. State. That's my guy. He's got right tackle only, but he is a road grader. He's he's good. I would prefer Fashanu out of Penn State, but he goes number nine to the Patriots in this mock draft, which is daggers. Joe Alt is the top tackle in this tack or in this class. Oh, this is an interesting one. I'm like kind of going through it. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh's favorite quarterback in this year's class, JJ McCarthy, going to the, the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know how you Las Vegas Raiders fans feel about that, but uh, yeah. So JJ McCarthy is projected again. This is only a mock draft, and all the mock drafts all across the internet are. Entirely different. This is just the one on NFL.com. One of my favorite receivers, Rome Odunze out of Washington, uh, projected to go to New Orleans, which Ooh, that would, would be, be a lot of fun. yeah, that would Him, be. And Chris you have Olave. Chris Olave. Yep. Not to mention, um, was it Shahid there? I think so. I, who who is also he came on this year as well. Not to mention Michael Thomas, who probably is on his way out, especially if they draft another guy. Yeah, that would be fun too. The Tuatango Vailoa and the Miami Dolphins again. This. Potentially be Tuatango Vailoa's last year in Miami. We'll see what happens. Uh, but we talked about quarterback tight end matchups or partnerships. They are projected with the number 21 overall pick, Jatavian Sanders, tight end out of Texas, to go to Miami. He's interesting. He is somebody who's picked up steam lately in the draft community. Mm. Um, he's really athletic. So I, that would be a lot of fun, especially adding to that offense where. You want to talk about athletes and just a track meet at all times. Get that ball out of Tua's hands and let your playmakers do the work. He would be a fun addition to the offense. And last but not least, and this is something that Paul and I will probably talk about like at least twice a week, maybe more, because it'll change all the time. Things will happen, and this is this is the time to shine. We have a chance once again, that being the New York Jets and the Chicago Bears, but for all of our Dallas Cowboys fans out there, uh, number 24 overall pick, Troy Fautanu, offensive tackle out of Washington. And when it comes to Dallas Cowboys fans and the team, that's something that during their previous reign... Um, <laughs> Offensive line, like when that offense, when they had that solid offensive line, I mean, they were electric to watch. Hopefully they can figure out their quarterback situation because I am still not a believer in Dak Prescott either. And I still feel bad for all of our Dallas Cowboys fans. But nonetheless, that's where it would be. Uh, And then I said last but not least, but this is always interesting since they are the back to back Super Bowl champs. The Kansas City Chiefs projected to trade with the Green Bay Packers. Selecting receiver Rashi Rice last year in the second round was the nice start, uh, but obviously they have an inconsistency, so they are going with Keon Coleman, wide receiver out of Florida State. So clearly they need receivers and receivers that can hopefully hold on to the football if they want to even give themselves a chance. All right, got to step aside. When we come back, we will close things out with some basketball on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kukule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. I feel like the time just like flew by way too fast. 
We got too used to our two-hour show. I know. And talking all about football for like an entire hour. (laughs) That's why the beautiful people want us to go for two. I know. That is true. You know, we keep it it interesting for the entire hour. (laughs) At least we hope we do. Yeah. We hope we entertain you guys, even even when we go on some tangents. Um, But anyways, want to bring it back here a little bit and close it out with some... Giving some love to our HPU men's basketball squad and Jesse Nakanishi as they just keep on winning. Uh, they are on a what is this? A four-game win streak, winning their home games last week, uh, 66-48 over Concordia Irvine, and then on Saturday beating Biola 79 to 70. That puts them third in the Pac West Conference right now as they sit at 10 and 4, only behind 11 and 4 squads Point Loma and RU. Uh, before we have Paul kind of tell us everything going on with HPU men's basketball, here is what head coach Jesse Nakanishi had to say following their win against Biola. Here with HPU men's basketball head coach Jesse Nakanishi following the Sharks 79-70 victory over Biola. Coach, your team competed hard all night, up Mm -hmm. 10 at halftime. The lead grows to 16 at one point, but as the game kind of comes down the stretch, Biola starts to bring it back within single digits. What's going through your mind there, and how did your guys respond? Yeah, credit them. They made some big shots down the stretch. And, um, you know, for us, including that stretch for the whole game, you know, prior to the game, I challenged our guys. It was all going to come down to physicality and toughness because that's what they breed over in that program. Obviously, legendary coach there, and that's how they always play. I challenged them, and they responded all night. And towards the end there, we just got some got some big rebounds, including from Matt Van Komen. And then, you know, Melo and Diggy is such a luxury to have two really good free throw shooters that we can get the ball to to ice the game away. You mentioned Van Komen. He posts a double-double tonight, 10 points, 13 rebounds. And he's a guy who missed a, a big portion of your guys' mm-hmm. schedule this year. What does it mean for you guys to have him back, especially on a night where Charlie Weber fouls out with about six minutes left? Right. I think with he's kind of the X factor, and... And we are we we can be good, but then we can take it to another another level and be great if Matt is great because he has that much of an imposing force on both sides of the ball. He can be really obviously really really uh, imposing. You know, he had some putbacks and uh, defensively, just you're shooting over a mountain if you come down that lane. So um, yeah, it, it meant the world to have him back tonight and and him performing at a high level. Because, you know, he was out a month, but um, really the last two games or three games is trying to find his way. And hopefully we get this kind of performance from him every night. And then last question, you guys held Nathan Medina, an all Pac West type of player. Guy averages 18 points per contest. Hold him down to seven points tonight. What was it that was working for your defense tonight, especially considering it, it took their other leading scorer, Daniel Esparza, uh, about 15 shots uh, and not not great looks either to get to his 17 tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm telling you, the most unheralded player on our team is Josh Neosula. And yeah, we're a team defense thing, uh, concept and, and approach and rotations and whatnot. But Josh is the one of the best defenders I've ever coached. And he's been doing it night in and night out. And I hope he gets some recognition down the road for it. Uh, this was Medina's a special player, and and he not single-handedly, but for the most part, held him held him seven points. I think he had seven at half and zero in the in the 
second half. This is only the third time he's been held to single digits all, all year, or at least in conference, I think. So really credit to Josh, but as a team as well. Josh's motor is just nonstop, and that's what you need to defend a player at Medina's caliber. Awesome. Thank you, Coach. And that was HPU men's basketball head coach Jesse Nakanishi talking to our Paul Brecht over here following their 79-70 win over Biola to put them, again, as I mentioned before, going to that interview, 10-4 and in the conference, and they are third just behind Point Loma and Academy of Art, which they go on the road to play Point Loma this Saturday. So huge game for the Sharks to look forward to and where they will end up uh, the rest of this season. They did lose their last game when they hosted Point Loma here at the Shark Tank, but it was a close one as what it feels like every close game has been half the games this season, at least for the HP men's basketball squad. So they fell to Point Loma in the Shark Tank 75-78. So we can imagine it to be an interesting game, but you have the big men there ready to rock and roll. So Paul, what can we anticipate for the HPU Sharks going throughout the rest of the season as they have six games left in conference. This is the biggest stretch of the regular season for them. They have done everything right up until this point, putting themselves in position for a top four seed in the conference, in the conference tournament, and really with an opportunity to compete for that top spot in the conference. Biola lost last night once again. Uh, so they, Biola and Concordia Irvine go 0-6 in their trip to Hawaii. Wow. So that that helps out HPU a lot. Now you hit that West Coast road trip. Our Kyle Galdera has talked about it before. They need these games. They're want, they're looking at that Point Loma game. They want that one. Mm-hmm. They felt they let that let her. They felt they let that one go through their grasp when it was here. Point Loma is a phenomenal team. They're the only other team in the conference that has been selected three times this season as the team of the week. The Sharks were just selected yesterday for their third time this season as the PacWest team of the week. So it's going to be fireworks. The Sharks have put themselves in great position. You're right. They're starting to get healthy at the right time. They were without Tyrese Terrell this past these past two games as well. I want to give a, a shout-out to him and wishing him all the best as he goes through a personal matter uh, back home. He's expected to rejoin the team uh, on this West Coast trip. But, you know, the the adversity they have continued to go through they just keep on winning. It's their first double-digit uh, conference win season since 2017-2018. It's been six years. That's that's a really impressive time. It was their first win over Biola since 2020, January 2nd of 2020 at that. Five different players have over 200 points scored for the Sharks this season. Oof. So uh, the Sharks, they're deep. They play together. They're well-coached. And now they have an opportunity to go and take the pack west with this upcoming road trip. Because Art U has suddenly allowed people back in the door with a couple of losses recently. Remind me, was Matt Van Komen, he was still out against Point Van Loma, Komen correct? Van missed seven games. He has only returned over the past three, and he's still working his way back to full conditioning, strength, whatever. And he's getting stronger. He just posted his first double-double of the season in their last outing with 10 points, 13 rebounds, and three blocks across 27 minutes against Biola. So, like I said before... Nice to be getting healthier, getting everybody back once again for this stretch run because right now it's time to be perfect if you are the Sharks. 
Ooh, it's getting exciting. And also shout out to our friends on the neighbor island, Hawaii Hilo, right on the heels of Hawaii Pacific at nine and six. So they are sitting at fourth in the conference, HPU at third. But we will keep you guys updated. But we got to go for Paul Brecht. I'm Kule Agbayani. Mahalo for listening. Bye.